What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org, where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for Election Day. Headcount tours with musicians to help concert attendees register to vote, but you don't need to leave your house to register or to get voting info. Register to vote by visiting headcount.org. Hello and welcome to Mixtape Memories. Memories. <laughs> I'm Jenners. And I'm Matt Hart Spade. And we're here to talk about 90s divas. <laughs> I'm so excited. We were thinking about doing something like this uh, a couple episodes ago, and now here it is. The day has come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, not typically, uh, you know, what we cover here, but we thought it'd be a fun episode. Yeah, I mean, it was such an integral part of the 90s uh, that it kind of seems like we should kind of cover it and have a fun little kind of pop-centric episode. But um, I guess before we get into all the great divas from the 90s and early aughts, um, maybe we should define diva because I feel like through the years the definition has changed, but it actually, the original definition of diva and like the textbook dictionary uh, definition is um, it actually comes from the world of opera. It, it's meant to kind of signify uh, this uh, incredible woman's voice in you know whether it's in theater or cinema or pop music. Um, and then you know for a while it was very closely related to the term prima donna, which had a very negative connotation. But I feel like that all changed in the '90s once there was like the diva fandom Uh, in my view it was like the beginning of stan culture (laughs) (laughs) i mean and like you know in in the beginning i feel like diva maybe didn't have too much of uh well maybe it always had a negative connotation but (laughs) like i don't know using uh, it you know kind of like as if it was a positive thing a little bit mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I guess ultimately it was uh, just a, a woman with some sort of extraordinary talent that was kind of breaking through in a major way. But I guess, I mean, it kind of goes back to just the misogyny of, of you know, not just American culture, but worldwide culture that, 
you know, a powerful woman is seen as like, what's her problem? Is she a bitch? You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of unfortunately has gone hand in hand. That's true. You can almost exchange them today. Like, oh, she's a diva. She's a bitch kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, good but, point. Um, I, <laughs> but I feel like in terms of um, kind of celebrated American music, uh, kind of the birth of the diva in my mind is kind of like the 60s and 70s uh, when, you know, the, you know, the chart toppers were all these incredible black women such as Diana Ross and the Supremes and without the Supremes, uh, Patti LaBelle, Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner, so on. Um, and to this day, I mean, going back to the idea of stan culture, like I've seen, uh, actually I've seen quite a few of these women live and a lot of the fans in the front row are like these people that have, that worship them, like the Diana Ross stands that are like mostly older gay men and older black women that just like live for Diana Ross. <laughs> That's true. It's got a more modern spin today with standing, I guess because yeah there's just so much like ways you can you know there's so many mediums today i feel like that where you can kind of like uh show your affection because back in the day like i don't know like how did people show their affection (laughs) yeah it was very different i mean you didn't know every every move and every tweet and every uh moment of an artist's life i mean i think someone like diana ross or aretha like you know, they would release the album, the singles, they would maybe go on tour, but otherwise you didn't have too much access to them. You know, maybe there would be the tabloid story about a a divorce or a new person they're dating, but it wasn't like now where it's like you really know every move and you know every pose and you know, you know what I mean? It's like you can literally like fully imitate their lives because it's all there for for you to see. I think back in the day, there was a little more mystery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like people feel like even closer to people because they have so much access, you know. Maybe that's yeah. why RuPaul like went off Instagram. There's too much access. <laughs> well, you know, I've I've heard theories, and I guess RuPaul can kind of qualify as a '90s diva in some way. Um, but yeah, apparently, like a lot of the uh, early tweets and, and Instagram posts and whatnot were problematic for a variety of reasons. So I think. Before Rue got fully canceled, she just decided, like, let me remove everything and pretend it never existed. But it's like, we still have photos of you wearing a Confederate flag dress. That exists. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you did that. (laughs) So I don't know. You can't totally erase the past, you know. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I mean, like, Drag Race fans are, like, some of the most uh, passionate (laughs) fans I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Kind of like K-pop mm-hmm. fans or something. Exactly. They, they exactly. can be a little vicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but uh, it kind of makes it fun. There's almost like a competitive nature to standing. Like, who's the biggest one and who knows the most and who got the most autographs or who got the most selfies or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but, yeah, I feel like uh, stand culture, and I guess as it ties into, like, diva culture, is like a – a thing. I mean, I remember hearing stories. I never have seen Mariah live, and we'll get to her for sure later this episode. <laughs> but like, I know when she does those Christmas shows, people fly in from all over the world, particularly parts of Asia. And like, those people come in to see her in New York, where she does the Christmas performances, like every year, and they go to every single one of them. And in many cases, she'll perform, you know, 
eight nights, six nights or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. It's hardcore. It's very hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many divas of the 90s to discuss, I feel like. Uh, we couldn't discuss all of them, but we chose some of, of course. our, you know, notables uh, to kind of talk about in this episode. I, I kind of want to start with Shania because it's a little left field for us to discuss someone who kind of started in country. And also, she... She had such a big moment in the 90s that maybe that'd be an interesting one to just kind of pop into for a moment. Yeah, I mean, she was like the queen of country pop. Could be wrong because maybe Dolly could be considered that. But like she was one of the ones that first ones that I remember crossing over from country to pop. I feel like Dolly did as well. But yeah, in my mind, there are kind of three women that have made the full transition. And in the 70s and 80s, it was Dolly. In the 90s, it was Shania. And then over the last... 15 or so years it's obviously been taylor swift who i don't even associate with country at all now shania i think with that breakthrough album um come on over from 97 with all those huge singles i feel like even though they were big pop staples and and whatnot and you'd hear on the radio at the supermarket at the laundromat like they all there was also an element of country in them i mean i'm thinking back to the video of like that don't impress me much where she's just kind of where is she? In the, I don't know. She's in the middle of something, and she's wearing like a leopard skin kind of tacky outfit. I love it. But it's like the, she kept on to the, her, her country roots, you know? Yeah. And she, she was building kind of like a strong woman uh, catalog, too. You know, like, man, I feel like a woman, you know, that don't mm-hmm. impress me much. Those are – they had like a, a sass to them. Um, or like – and a lot of them probably became like – women theme songs and they were in like so many commercials about like who knows what like probably bras and <laughs> like whatever i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure she made a lot of money from those type of things yeah so um but then you know she kind of like petered out um and had a bunch of like personal problems i think over yeah. the years i mean i still love like if i were to hear you're still the one out somewhere i don't know where <laughs> um i think <laughs> not at a club but um i i do think that that's like a really pretty like love pop love song you know yeah i'm not gonna deny it yeah yeah to me there's still kind of like an element of borderline cheese to it and also i one other huge single there were so many huge singles from this album but one that comes to mind that I think we forget might have been even the biggest one in terms of like billboard number one success was from this moment on, which was like the big dramatic ballad from the album, which was also, I guess, a love song. I just remember like that song was used at every friggin' wedding (laughs) uh, for years uh, as like the one that like, you know, the bride and groom come out to and it's like stare into each other's (laughs) eyes and like, here we go on this journey. It's so tacky. It's amazing though. (laughs) And similarly... Um, there's a song that was released in 2000 uh, called I Hope You Dance, which is like on every Light FM station still, like constantly, by Leanne Womack. And that song was also like kind of a country pop crossover. She never became a huge star, but um, I feel like that song to this day is still used at all these very traditional weddings as like the father dance, the father-daughter like first dance kind of song. Um And it's like, it's so tacky and cheesy and cringy. But at the same time, I almost expect it when I go see, you know, a friend or a relative's like huge ass 200 person wedding in New Jersey. You know what I mean? It's so funny, (laughs) the songs that are played at weddings. (laughs) It's just like Mm -hmm. too much. 
it really is. I went to a wedding once where, like, they had, like, an indie rock DJ, and um, nobody danced. (laughs) 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 Like, all the old people didn't know what the songs were, and, like, maybe (laughs) us youngins, you know, like, because this was, like, in the aughts, for sure, and, um, like, could dance to some of them, but, you know, like, it just doesn't work the same, because it's not the setting of like an indie rock dance club or something like that you're like at a wedding so you know context is everything so like songs that maybe we I agree danced to it like don hills or something like just doesn't work like in the setting of a wedding i completely agree and you know for a short time there i was earning some money doing some wedding djing sometimes for friends and sometimes just for people that would hire me but um, I do recall one time that it didn't go well because we didn't play what people want to hear at a wedding. And um, it was my very good friend's uh, wedding in D.C. And, you know, we used to go in the in the early aughts to like all these Britpop and indie dance night parties. So at her wedding, she wanted us she wanted me to DJ like Blur and James and the Smiths and the Cure and so on and, you know, spiritualize, whatever. And. Yeah, there were like six of us that were having the time of our lives, but like the majority <laughs> of the of the people at the wedding were like, "What in the hell is you know um, is you know Blur song too? I have no idea." You know, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Like, what is this? I'll just eat my chicken. <laughs> you know, exactly. But one artist they probably would have wanted to hear, and also I associate with weddings is maybe one of the biggest acts of the 90s uh celine dion (laughs) yeah man so big she only needs one name that's i guess that's a trademark celine right like if you can just say their first name then they've made it they're a diva so maybe taylor swift isn't there yet i don't know (laughs) i don't know I mean, I have my own views on Taylor Swift, but, like, when I think of the word Taylor, I don't automatically yeah, think Taylor Swift. I don't know. to, like, work on that. <laughs> uh, she's yeah, a trademark. She just go by Taylor. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, back to Celine. Like, yeah, I mean, she had so many freaking hits during this time. I can't believe it. I mean, like, how many albums did she put out? It looks like she put out, like, uh four albums maybe quite <laughs> during this period in that time span like yeah that. i mean geez and she had so many international mega hits it was kind of crazy and you know i what i kind of love about celine is that she kind of if you look back at like the late 80s early very early 90s like she's kind of still figuring out her place and her look and kind of her voice was always there but like she's kind of getting into her own skin and now well, throughout the 90s, but even, I guess, specifically when you look now and she's doing, like, Fashion Week and, you know, whatever, like, she has owned her diva dumb or whatever you want to say. And, like, I kind of think it's amazing that she has uh, transitioned into this, like, uh, powerful, confident, like, like force, yeah. you know? Like, and... um you know, when her husband passed a few years ago, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go because they were so uh, closely aligned. And obviously she met him very, very early into her career. Uh, I didn't know how she was going to do without him. But she's been, you know, she's she survived that and, uh, you know, obviously has been in was in Vegas for many, many years in one of the most successful like live shows, I think, ever. Um, 
and now she's still doing her thing. So she I don't still know. has a kudos her to, voice, to her. You know? So that's, that's yeah, kind of yeah. Amazing. She still sounds really great. What are your favorite like Celine songs from the nineties? I mean, uh, uh, when I say favorite, I also kind of come to this from like a this is such cheese you know what i mean like when i say these songs i enjoy i I enjoy them but also like a little tongue-in-cheek just just to keep throw that out there um i think my favorite of the bunch is her for me her most dramatic song and video from this time uh it's all coming back to me that's a good one actually that's probably the least cheesiest i feel like i don't know i feel like it's essentially kind of like a meatloaf song or something uh dramatic (laughs) it's like seven eight minutes i feel like if you play it's all coming back to me now and like um i don't know one of those big early 90s meatloaf singles i forget the title oh um i do anything for love but i won't do that like they're kind of the same song oh my gosh that is amazing now i want to hear meatloaf sing like celine dion's catalog or something (laughs) that i would be interested in yeah Uh, I wouldn't purchase it, but I'd yeah. be interested in I it. I feel like the song that always comes to mind for me is All By Myself, just because, like, I was mm-hmm. totally into, like, Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> like, that opening Oh, scene. goodness. Where <laughs> <laughs> Renee Zellweger is, like, just, like, singing along with the song and just, like, crying. Oh, my, oh God. my God. It's like, it's like the, the ultimate single girl, you know, moment. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. She does a really good rendition of that song for sure. And um and obviously like one of her biggest ones is the Titanic song. My Well, yeah, I think arguably that is probably <laughs> the biggest. But like if honestly in my mind if I never hear that song again, I'll be just <laughs> fine. Like it that has to be one of the most played songs ever in the history of radio. Yeah, I mean it was pretty bad <laughs> and like <laughs> I was like in college that that year that it came out. I was I was in this like group of friends where I was like the token virgin of the group. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like really trying to lose my virginity. <laughs> and, We're going yeah. deep. And you know, <laughs> it was just like one of those times. And then like um, I'm pretty sure that like maybe that song came on the radio when when. When, when the event happened. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And I feel like that's, like, ingrained Wow, the soundtrack. And I was just like, this is the cheesiest fucking moment of my life. <laughs> Since we're going there, I, I want to say that my my soundtrack to that moment was um, was Cigarosa's A Jike Dispiration, <laughs> which is very different. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was also a little bit more of like a late bloomer to, to that yeah, realm. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> yeah. So. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's <laughs> funny. But yeah, anyway, go back to Celine. Um, yeah, I wonder if she's like dating now that the husband has passed. Speaking of yeah, like, like love, is she on Tinder? I don't know. <laughs> left and right. And and her sentence is like, "I'm your lady, and you are my man." <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Jeez, now I hope she's doing that. <laughs> I, I well, it seems like she's she's enjoying her life, and um, her kids are all grown yeah. now. So you know, um, 
I just remember like my grandpa in the 90s, like you couldn't talk crap about Celine. Celine was like, a, I don't know, like this godlike figure for him. Um, and particularly that Falling Into You album, I could still picture the CD and that album cover. Uh, like you couldn't touch Celine. Like Celine, <laughs> like you couldn't. Um, but I don't know why my grandpa had this, was just like convinced that she was the best female vocalist and the be- best male vocalist was um, Andrea oh Bocelli. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know what's funny is like she. I mean, she was always in that like adult contemporary mode. I feel like you know. <laughs> like, yeah, so that makes sense to me in a lot of ways. You know, like like was she ever like hip? You know, like I just feel like she was always like singing to like forty year olds. You know. Yeah, which is <laughs> which where is we're, we're at, at now. now. <laughs> you know. Um. But I think for me, looking back, like I could appreciate her more now than in the 90s because I kind of look back at it in a with a very different lens. But also like to hear a Celine song now and like sing a Celine song, a karaoke, like it, it's it's not only ironic, it's just like it's strange. It's funny. So like I, I've taken a kind of a 180. But in the 90s, I didn't really care to like ever really listen to her because that wasn't my thing. I was listening to alternative yeah. radio, really. But like. But I mean, you can't deny the the, the force of, of Celine. Yeah. If you feel, you know, and she has her own stance, which I didn't realize until a few years ago. That like she also, in a similar way that like Mariah has her her lambs, like Celine has her hardcore fans that like worship her as well. But I guess all these big oh, pop yeah. stars do. I, don't know. I mean, like um, yeah. you know, Vegas isn't one of my favorite places, but um, every time I've been there and walking around, all you hear is Celine Dion. <laughs> You know how like they play the music outside in Vegas, like, and you're just like walking, uh-huh, it's just, uh-huh. like everywhere with Celine. So, yeah, she's she's made it. She doesn't have to do anything else in her life ever. <laughs> no, she's pretty universal. I mean, everybody yes. knows Celine. Uh, and she never like did anything <laughs> to kind of, um, no no scandals or anything like that. You know. So. No, and I think she, she really seems like a sweet person. She is her own presence in a, in a way, uh, and I feel like she can't be faking it. Like, she's kind of awkward. She's kind of funny. She's she's kind of, uh, I don't know. Like, it's just her. Like, she has she is this, this character. Like, that is who she really is, <laughs> you know? So I appreciate yeah. that. But, yeah, she was part of um, this, like, late 90s, vh1 series that actually it only aired two years but i feel like it lives on and on like uh like the titanic song um um vh1 divas live (laughs) (laughs) but i remember it was like all the commercials and the hype leading up to it and it was like it was such a to-do and i i want to say it was either at beacon or radio city but one of the big new york theaters um and it went on for like i said two years the first year was celine uh, Aretha, Mariah, Shania, and Gloria. Everybody ending in A, I guess, except for uh, uh, Celine. That, that's a that's a pretty like serious powerhouse lineup. Yeah, I gotta that say. must have been intense backstage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't even imagine what the writers looked like and the and everything else. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it was actually that's actually like a good mix of divas too like all over the place as mm-hmm. far as like genre and like types of singers and stuff um and, and but like all big personalities 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that 99 lineup, though, that was confusing. I was looking at that. Well, it seems like they tried to outdo themselves from the previous year, but, like, I feel like it's a little hit and miss. So Tina Turner, I mean, obviously needs to be there. Elton John, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to put a guy on a diva's yeah, bill. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a stretch. They, they might have just – maybe he wanted to be on the bill. Who knows? <laughs> He, he was, well, I'm sure he wanted he to be on. But... Diva. Yeah, I know. Like, it's it's weird to have a guy because there actually is like a term for a male diva, divo. <laughs> divo. I feel like that term doesn't get used a lot. And yeah, these nobody days. uses that. Oh yeah, and share too. Who you know? Well, she she is definitely a diva. I mean, she only has one name. <laughs> so. Of course. Um, and she's been a diva for decades upon mm. decades. They had Tretch um, on the bill, though. But, That's kind of weird. <laughs> okay, that I was going to mention that. I don't understand what that was about. I have to say, I haven't revisited VH1 Divas Live 99 in 21 years, but um, I, I assume it was a guest appearance. <laughs> Although I can't even think, like, and maybe I'm being forgetful here, but, like, I can't think of a, a song that, like, Mary J sings with Tretch, but... Who knows? Uh, Maybe it I does exist. One either, but, you know. Well, he, I'm assuming he was with Mary J or Whitney because he, I don't think there was a Tretch Leanne Rhymes oh, duet. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, Shaka Khan, that's a huge one. Of course. And Brandy. Yeah. I don't know if she was quite that level yet at that time. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like some of these were a stretch. Like, I feel like when you look at the 98 lineup, Celine Mariah, Aretha, Gloria, Shania, I guess Shania was relatively new to like mega stardom, but like the rest had been around. But like to book, in my mind, Brandy, Faith Hill, Leanne Rhymes, like they only were like super popular at that point for like, uh, I don't know, yeah. three years, four years. So I don't know. Uh, to me, you have to earn your right to be a diva, you know. I do want to, uh, I think revisit this episode just to kind of um experience it again because i i only watched it when it aired live in 99 and never since i feel like share had a really big presence in the 90s so just like of course. i mean around the late 90s at least i was in college in new york and i was um going around to bars you know underage but still going trying to get into bars and um there was this one bar that I just, like, loved to go to in the West Village that was called Hell, and it was, like, a mix of gay and straight, um, like, people, so it was kind of fun, and they always, always, mm -hmm. always played Believe, <laughs> or song Believe, like, <laughs> always, like. I mean, that song was kind of a game changer, um, because no one had done auto-tune yeah. in that way before, uh, and also, like, share hadn't had a mega mega hit in in my mind uh since probably turn back time which is more like 88 89 90 i have to check the date but it had been a while so when she came back with this and it sounded like nothing else on the radio everybody's mind was kind of like what and then believe was a number one single yeah, across the world i know it was crazy yeah. so it was like a great moment for her i think now it's almost like funny but at the time, I, everyone was dancing to mm -hmm. it, you know. Of course. And then, like, every song she put out since then for probably even till current uh, is, like, kind of 
believe-esque yeah. in a way. Like, kind of dancey, plenty of auto-tune. She actually put out, um, what was it? You know, she was involved in the, the latest Mamma Mia film, and then she put out an album of ABBA covers uh, about oh, wow. a year or two ago. I think it was two years ago now. Um, it's actually kind of incredible, but there is a lot of auto-tune on there. I was going to say, she's singing um, ABBA. <laughs> That's really hard to sing Yes, ABBA. the whole album. <laughs> she must have. The whole album. I mean, you have to listen to it. It's it's really a trip, but like everything from Fernando to like Give Me a Man After Midnight, like everything, Dude, you know. I wish uh, you could sing karaoke with auto-tune. Does that exist? Because <laughs> then... <laughs> That would be a great business model. Whatever, and they would just sound cool, you know? T-Pain was like the rapper, auto-tune rapper. Oh, my God. It's literally all auto-tune. You know, Cher started it. (laughs) Cher did start it. And, I mean, also, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about her incredible fashion. I know this isn't a fashion (laughs) podcast, but, like, she has had some looks through the years. And I love her looks in the Believe video. (laughs) Another diva that I like. This one, I genuinely like her, Annie Lennox, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. And Same. so, you know, I think even at the time that all this was coming out, I thought she was really cool. And uh, But she had her album, Diva. And that had Why, Walking on Broken Glass. And those are all, like, all over, like, MTV, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Those are, those are beautiful singles. I mean... Actually, when I still hear why to this day, I get really emotional. Yeah. And I don't know why, but uh, it's, um, I don't know, it's one of those songs that like you just kind of feel in your gut. I mean, going back to a previous episode this season when we were revisiting uh, the Sinead O'Connor album, uh, her debut, like certain songs on that album just hit you. And I feel this very similarly with um, this particular Annie Lennox yeah. album. But she's she's always been like this, in my view, this like master uh, interpreter of song and um, obviously her her vocals are stunning yeah I, I adore her and uh, you know everything obviously from your rhythmics to to current day and she also does so much for the world as well which I think some pop stars don't use their power and their voice uh, as loudly as they could for things outside of their own music and I feel like she's someone who does and wants to see change in the world and actively uh, yeah. does what she can, you know, from a place of privilege and, and also fame. Yeah, she fame. carries herself really well, and I feel like she, I just have a lot mm-hmm. of respect for her. Like, I don't really think she has a reputation for being, like, terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so, so either. She's, like, uh, another level of diva. Absolutely. <laughs> Should we do like a quick lightning round of divas that from the '90s that uh, <laughs> that um, we kind of have to mention briefly? Um, notably, the late '90s pop boom, which introduced us to Christina and Britney. Oh I mean, come on, that was everywhere. That was that also kind of changed the pop game for better or worse. I mean, it, and then into the early aughts and mid aughts, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it just. I mean, it's kind of a love-hate thing for me because I feel like half of, you know, like the serious music lover in me, like, obviously wasn't into all that teen pop. And then just, like, how huge it got in that era where it was, like, you know, boy bands and then, like, these, like, 
you know, ex-Disney star singers and, like, all kind of coming up and growing up. And then, like, really being, like, um, weirdly sexualized also. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always thought that was, like, weird and creepy. Christina, at least, is still, you know, in the game, you know. And I don't know what happened to Britney. Like, she kind of fell apart. Well, Britney had the very successful Vegas run, but I mean, I don't think her heart has been in it for a very long time. And also, you know, she's faced a lot of personal struggles. Um, Christina is still, per- like, Christina now will perform in theaters still, you know, and still yeah. sounds great. Um, Britney, I feel like, and I, we're going to get hate for this, or I'm going to get hate for this, but I mean, she's kind of phoning it in a bit. Like, she's not really dancing. She's definitely lip syncing. And, like, she's charging $2,500 for a meet and greet, and she won't even talk to you or look at you. I'm sorry. That's a little lame, you know. She's over it. (laughs) Trying to make whatever money she can and then peace out. (laughs) You know, it's had a very successful Vegas run, and it also had, you know, key moments in the 90s is Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, she's in Vegas doing her thing also. Well, not in the middle of this pandemic. But, yeah, she she had a very successful Vegas run. I assume it'll return. I bet that's a fun show. I mean, I was never a huge J-Lo fan. But, like, I think if I were to hear if I had my love and love don't cost a thing and whatever else, I would I would get down, I guess. Why not, you know? I mean, she's an entertainer. Yeah, I feel like I've always had, like, a weird um, fascination with J-Lo, I'd say. You know, just because, like, how she started and, you know, she was, like, acting – you know, primarily in the beginning, you know, besides the whole fly girl thing with like in living color, I was always like fascinated with her. I never like thought of her as like a great vocalist per se, but I was still kind Mm -hmm. of like kind of into her songs in a weird way, like not in love with her songs, but you know, kind of fascinated with like, like her song tonight or something like I was just, (laughs) yeah. Waiting for tonight. That's a great song. (laughs) Um, but like, I, I feel like now I like her as a personality when I was like briefly on TikTok earlier in the pandemic, her and what is it like A-Rod that she's dating? Um, they do these like weird TikToks all the time. (laughs) It's just like, yeah. Oh, do they? I didn't know that. And so like now (laughs) I kind of like, just think like she'd be like a cool person to hang out with or something, you know? Yeah, I think she'd be fun to hang out with, too. And, you know, I think she also had a bit of a resurgence this year because of that Super Bowl performance with Shakira, which pretty much got, like, widespread, like, thumbs up, I feel, you know. There's also, like, Paula Abdul, I guess, back in the 90s. It was, like, kind of, like, an interesting era for Paula, I feel like, because it was, like, Rush Rush. I mean, I remember that video pretty vividly because it was, like, it was like kind of a remake, right? Like a James Dean, Natalie Wood moment or something like that. Exactly, yeah. And so that was like a song. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that song. It's kind of like comical in a way, but obviously it's like a serious vibe song. I mean, yeah, I, I giggle when I think of that song. What did she say? Rush, rush, hurry, come to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and but she says it very yeah. dramatically. It's and biology. Funny. That was kind of a funny song. Um, mm-hmm. And I also forgot "Promise mm-hmm. of a New Day" until like I looked up this the album listing for Spellbound. <laughs> I was just like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that one too. 
you know, not her best songs, but yeah, she had a moment, and she's still kicking in a way. Well, now she's, you know, doing like the panelist type shows and whatnot. Uh, she's so, in my mind, closely associated with like pop music from the very late '80s, early '90s that, you know, she's iconic. You know. Do you want to say Sade too? <laughs> I want to say Sade as well, who I kind of appreciated more, or I appreciate more these days than I did in the 90s. You know, just, she's one of a kind. I adore her. So, and I feel like so much of the music now that you see that's kind of like buzz, indie, buzzy, is actually very R&B inspired and particularly inspired by Sade. I mean, a band like the XX, I feel, uh, is so Sade inspired. And then if you think about, you know, recent singles and albums from... I don't know, Solange or Erica Badu or whomever. Like, there's a lot of Sade influence. I feel like it has carried through over the last 30 yeah. or so years. I mean, you know. her song, No Ordinary Love, I mean, that, you just can't argue with it. It's just such a great song. And every time it mm -hmm. comes on, it just, like, mm -hmm. gives off good feelings, you know. And um, and it's so, mm -hmm. like, smooth, you know. And, and I think she's, like, pretty universal among men and women men love her and yeah um and you know it's like the quintessential like let's make out <laughs> you know song or something like that it's always on probably like some kind of romantic playlist i feel the same i mean i feel like her sensuality versus someone like i don't know let's say paula abdul like with sade i feel like it is um a lot more sincere and with paula abdul it was a lot more yeah. kind of put on you know, like, look, I'll be, you know what I mean? But um, I feel like Sade just kind of, that's just her, her being. That's her presence. Like, her music is sensual. Her music does, you know, is make-out music. You know, it just, totally. it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, there are so many. So, yeah, obviously we're just touching upon a few uh, this episode. But, and also in a previous episode, we discussed Beyonce and Destiny's Child, Janet, Tony Braxton, Monica. So I mean, there are many. But, you know, we can't cover them all. Yeah. But we are going to cover a couple of great albums. Yeah. Diva albums from the 90s. Yes. I kind of, in my mind, I feel like the two we chose are quintessential. Yeah. <laughs> we can start with Mariah because she, she was huge in the 90s. Um, and uh, this album, Daydream, from 95, it was really like a turning point for her, I think because she was starting to take like a little bit more control in like the kind of songs that she sings and like the direction that she wanted them to go in so there's a little bit of empowerment with that she was kind of delving more into r&b and hip-hop which people hadn't really done before so she was really kind of changing the game a little bit the album as a whole i thought was like pretty good actually yeah, I think it's a pretty strong pop album. I think part of the reason, I don't know the exact timing, but I do think part of the reason why this album sounds more freeing in a sense and more of her authentic self is because I believe around this time she got divorced from that yeah, like Tommy Sony executive yeah. she was with who was garbage. And I feel like with this album she had a little more, uh, like you were saying, creative control. When I was like revisiting it, there were a lot of, a lot more songs than I remembered, actually, <laughs> when I was listening to it. So, but still, I kind of like still like fantasy the best. I don't know. It just like has a groove. I actually didn't realize she sampled Tom Tom Club for Genius of Love, mm -hmm. which uh, makes me like it even more. 
And then that was also a song that she like did some remix for that everybody was like at the time questioning. It's like she wanted ODB, Old Dirty Bastard, on the track for the remix. And people were like doubtful, but it became like a huge hit. I love that Old Dirty Bastard remix. I'm not going to lie. Um, particularly that line like, me and Mariah go back <laughs> yeah, like babies with yeah. pacifiers. I love that line. <laughs> I mean, I think it was unexpected and let's be honest, I think uh, because he was this like hip hop act that seemed kind of like, I don't know, like scary mm-hmm. to some people, quote unquote, like it was kind of like, how is this going to translate into pop radio? But, you know, she was really smart because a song like Fantasy, which I want to say is probably one of my favorite pop songs ever to this day, um, that the, the regular version of the track went to pop radio and then the ODB remix went to hip hop radio. And then, you know, she she had success on multiple platforms, which, you know, uh, not too many people yeah. were doing. I mean, I you think know? she's always like trying to do something different. Once November 1st hits till like the end of the year, it's impossible in the United States of America to not hear all I want for Christmas at least once a day, (laughs) somewhere, somehow. (laughs) And I think last year she was actually able to bring it back to number one. I don't know how many songs that are 25, 26 years old can can go back to number one (laughs) like that. So, you know, her stands are serious, but also that's a great song. totally. (laughs) Didn't she just recently, like, try to, like, um, she had a song on TikTok that went all over the place with that. Yeah, that like brought her back like everywhere again. She she knows how to like use platforms, I guess, and like kind of change change the way people think about her. It, it was fantasy that was going on, <laughs> on TikTok. It was it fantasy. Was like oh, okay. I'm not on TikTok. I'm too old. <laughs> um, but yeah, the fantasy you know, like you said, is your repeat. And I think it is for me as well. I also just want to shout out Always Be My Baby. I think that is such a great song. And the video where she's on the tire swing over the the little like lake. uh, I love it. I love that song too. It's kind of funny because when I was doing some research on this, um, I was reading, of all things, a Pitchfork article. Grimes said that the first time she heard uh, Mariah Carey, that's when she decided to start Grimes. So now we have her you know, it's funny that you pulled up this quote because many, many years ago I saw Grimes DJ uh, after a Magical Cloud show at Glasslands, RIP, and um, she <laughs> I love this transition. She transitioned from Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You, to um, Taylor Swift Trouble, which is like one of the few <laughs> Taylor Swift songs I can stand. So I was like, I can't, like we are really dancing <laughs> to pop music at Glasslands. Like... <laughs> And, like, I was looking at, over at Grimes, who at the time was already quite successful, but not, like, megastar. And um, she was having her life. She was dancing. She was, like, flipping out. So, yeah, it's not too surprising, actually, for me to see this quote, but it <laughs> brought back a certain memory. I think we both had the same skit, too, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, melt Away? Yeah. 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 I, I can't deal with Babyface. I never could. It was, like, too... I don't know. Too much. Too much cheese. Like, I, I, I can accept some, but, like, for me, it was just, like, right out of a, you know, two in the morning, like, songs that go on your romance CD. <laughs> Buy two now for twenty four ninety nine. Like, I can't. 
I can't, you know, like you could, you could, I could visualize the, the 90s commercial. I don't yeah. know. I, he was never my thing um, as a solo act or yeah, as a producer I mean, or anything. It's, it's kind of funny because in that same Pitchfork article, they were saying that um, her voice was so like low and sultry in that song, um, not typical for her, that people actually thought Babyface was singing. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But like another huge album from the 90s was uh, Whitney Houston, The Bodyguard soundtrack, you know, which I guess she's only on half, right? She, yeah, she's only on the first half. This album to this day is one of the best selling albums of all time internationally. I guess I forgot that the first half was her and the second half were like an assortment of other people. I always, I mean, when I think, I think when most people think Bodyguard, because obviously the, you know, the film as well as the, the key singles from the soundtrack, they just think of Whitney only, but it did have some other stuff. But I mean, for me, I don't know. I'm not really interested in most of the second half. Definitely the biggest single was Whitney's reinterpretation of I Will Always Love You, which is so wildly different than Dolly's version. I mean, both are great. I've seen Dolly say that, you know, she wrote the song and she had success with it and Whitney just kind of skyrocketed and took it somewhere else completely. Dolly was just happy to get the royalties, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, back then, Whitney could do no wrong. Like, she could sing anything. There was just, like, a surrealness to her when she was singing a song. Still gives me chills. Especially that part of the song where it's, like, um, where she slows it down, and then there's, like, two seconds of silence, and she comes back with, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, it, it, it's, like, you, you get, you kind of get shivers, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't choose that as my EP. Um, I actually chose uh, I Have Nothing. I just like the strength mm. and vulnerability in the song, and it has like this like cool drama to it. I just like what the message in that song. Yeah, I love that track too. I mean, I I love almost every track from the first half of this record, uh, all the Whitney songs. I think if I were forced to pick, I would choose either "I'm Every Woman." I think it's just an amazing Shaka cover, uh, and you know, kind of uplifting, obviously. And then. Um, I kind of really like Run To You, and I'm typically not the person who would choose a ballad, but um, Whitney's voice, I mean, is, uh, I don't even know what words to use. I mean, uh, particularly right around this time before she had her struggles, like her voice yeah. was just like uh, otherworldly, you know, uh, and she could just carry anything. I think when you have a voice like that, it makes me kind of feel things, and um, Run yeah, To You was one of those totally songs. Agree. I, uh, I guess, like, you know, both of our s- skips kind of come from more of the second half, because I feel like every Whitney song on there was, like, impeccable. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I would almost skip the entire second half, except I actually do love Soul System. <laughs> and it's going to be a lovely day, and I think that's, like, a, a pretty solid mm-hmm. song. But everything else that's not Whitney, I would skip. And I did skip. <laughs> That one is the one with Michelle Visage, right? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Is she on that? I had no idea. Yeah, she's on that track. <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen, I only know this because, like, I feel like for a moment on Drag Race, she would always talk about how she uh, is on track nine or whatever it is of the Bodyguard soundtrack. I remember looking it up, and it was this song. So she's on this song. Oh, my God. I just Googled the video, and it's like an image of her face. 
with flowers on it. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know that. But it's 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 kind of sort of a cover of um of Lovely Day, the yeah, the Bill Withers yeah. song, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one I don't mind. I guess just because like how could you compare anything to like these iconic dramatic like monumental Whitney songs at the peak of her career it's very yeah. difficult for anyone to match yeah. that you know but also I think the second half of this album has like a Kenny G song I could definitely I never hear Kenny G again in my life and be fine I mean poor Kenny G but like seriously <laughs> I mean I just feel like Maybe not his music, but I guess just his being, and maybe this is a little mean spirited, but like he just kind of seems like he's trolling <laughs> us. I don't know. I don't know. With that hair, that hair, I think it's all about that terrible yeah, perm like thing. I don't know. You know? <laughs> not my favorite. But it doesn't matter. I don't think people bought this album for anything yeah, other than the Whitney true. songs, really. They just like, everything else was kind of filler. Yeah. You know, she had some, uh, obviously the Bodyguard soundtrack was such a huge moment, but like she had great singles from the late 90s too that became kind of like these dancey club hits. One of my favorites is It's Not Right But It's Okay, where she's calling out Bobby Brown for cheating on her. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that song. Also, one of her late 90s songs that, like my partner's favorite song is um, Heartbreak Hotel, which is not an Elvis cover. It is a song with Kelly Price and Faith Evans, and it's also like, F you, man who yeah. screwed me over. It's amazing. <laughs> she had a lot of that energy in the late 90s because, yeah, she was over She was over the drama of Bobby well, Brown. she should know. have been, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, that was, like, another thing. Like, I used to love Bobby Brown, but then after I saw, like, clips of their reality show together, like, I just could not stand him. I was just <gasps> like, no. Oh, my um, God. It's a lot. Yeah, I don't think that helped her in any way. And I, from my understanding, he's the one who was pressuring her to do it, and she finally caved. But I don't think it, it, it painted oh, either no, one of them her, in a very like, positive whole image light. fell apart after that, sadly. You know, and it yeah. was like a side yeah. of her that people just didn't need to see. I don't think people needed to see that. Mm -hmm. If he pressured her into doing that, like, totally selfish. His career really hasn't been much of anything in a long time. Although I, I love old Bobby Brown, which kind of sucks to say, but like, I, you know, I love old Bobby Brown and I oh, love yeah. New Edition and stuff like that. And, um, mm -hmm. Somehow it hasn't tainted that, those songs for me too much, but, you know, him as a person, not mm -hmm. into it. Yeah, when I went to that um, uh, ladies' night gathering that I discussed on a previous episode this season, he was the headliner technically, and he came on at like one thirty in the morning. And I stayed for one song, and it, it, it was not uh, my prerogative. Uh, but yeah. I was like, "This is really bad. I gotta go." Yeah, I I felt bad, but I, for some reason I wanted to stay till the end of the evening or towards the end of the evening because I felt like weirdly it was like out of respect Aww. for Whitney or something. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, he, he was, it was pretty bad. It was like, um, embarrassing and I didn't want to yeah. see any more of it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, Whitney will live on forever. She will. And, and still does, you know, like mm -hmm. I just, um, she just had so many hits and her voice was so incredible and not in a cheesy way. Somehow she no. avoided the cheese. Mm-hmm. So... 
Um, and I, I also love that as she kind of um, revealed more of herself and got a little more, I, I don't know what term to use, but like just kind of ballsy, I guess, yeah. um, that she just, uh, I don't know, I kind of appreciate like, like, you know, I don't give a fuck Whitney of, of the late 90s and beyond, you know, when she wasn't trying so hard uh, or wasn't being told to try so hard to like be this, you know, beautiful, pristine, like flawless pop diva. She's like, I curse, I smoke, <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, I hate on people, whatever, you know, I, I kind of love that. Like she kind of uh, revealed her, her true self and, 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 you know, wasn't under the spell of, you know, a major label anymore. Yeah. You know, anyway, I, I miss her uh, and I, I still listen to Whitney from time to time. So I'm glad that we had a chance to revisit the Bodyguard soundtrack. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad we had a Divas episode. <laughs> so that is uh, another episode of Mixtape Memories and we will catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.